You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Uh, but we want to say, what causes people to experience hope? Uh, little kids walking into a classroom and seeing that the classroom is prepared for them, like a children's environment, it gets them excited to be able to hear what happens next. It, it begins a thrill of hope. If you have kids, you know that people, your kids begin to get thrill of hope after Thanksgiving when the decorations start to go up and when you're driving around you see Christmas lights and there's things like that happen all of a sudden in the life of a child they get excited why because Christmas is coming it's coming Christmas is actually coming and we need to be able to understand God what do you want to do for us as adults what do you want to do in our lives so that we have the thrill of hope and what I want to do is I want to let you know that usually in August and September I begin to really pray and seek the Lord and ask God God what do you want us to do next year when it comes to like what we're going to preach through, when it comes to your word, when it comes to, I really ask the question, God, what does your church need? What do we need as a church to join us together? What do we need as a church to be doing? What do we need as a church to know from your scriptures so that we really have an idea of where we're going in terms of like preaching and teaching and how that all operates is usually in August and September. And as I begin to ask the question, God, what does our church need? The Lord just was reminding me again and again that our church in this room, there are so many of you right here right now who maybe you've come to Christ in the last two years. And there's others of you in this room that you came to Christ, you prayed a prayer at some point, but you've never read through the Bible. You, you don't even know, you've not really read much of the Bible. You, you made a decision for Christ, you raised your hand, you prayed, but you, you're still a baby Christian. You haven't grown. And then there's others of us in this room that have been a Christian for a long, long time. And a long time. And what's the hard part about being a Christian for a long, long time is sometimes you let up off the gas. That you think, you know what, I've graduated from doing the things I did at first. And I want to let you know that God wants to renew your heart. God wants to restore all things. God is after at whatever age you are, however long you've known the Lord, God wants to break into your heart when your heart desires everything else, including sometimes things that are absolutely not of God. God wants to break in and meet the deepest needs of your heart and restore your heart. And he's reaching to you. And like he does in Revelation, he talks to the church at Ephesus and he says this. He says, you've lost your first love. And so do the things that you did at first. In other words, the way to come back to your first love is to do the things that you did at first. You've not graduated from reaching out to people, to reaching out to your neighbors, to loving people. You've not graduated from serving in God's church. You've not graduated or paid your dues in any way, except that God is saying, be a part of what I'm doing, and that will awaken in your heart the thrill of hope. And I began to seek the Lord and to say, God, what do you want us to do next year? And and so what we're going to do as a church in the next year, uh, by the way, I'm revealing to you our New Year's resolution right now. Here's our New Year's resolution. You say, Dave, um, we haven't even hit Christmas yet. I'm like, hey, the retailers do it. Why can't I? Right? <laughs> but what's our New Year's resolution like for us as a church? We want to look for a minute. We're gonna, what I begin to realize, we're going to go through two things. We're going to go through two books next year. We are going to read through, as a church body, we are going to read in the course of next year the entire book of Luke and the entire book of Acts. The book of Luke and Acts. In those two books, they're written by the same author. The author's name is Luke. And Luke wrote Luke and he wrote Acts. And Luke deals with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Acts deals with the launch of the early church. And what a better book for you and I to be reading in a year that we will be launching a church online than being reminded what was done at first. 
What did the early church do? And how do we be a part of the movement of God as it disperses out among the nations? How do we do that? And so we're going to look at that. The amazing thing about Luke and Acts is if you combine those two books together, it equals 52 chapters. How many weeks are in next year? 52, unless it's a leap year and then something gets really weird, you know, we're crazy. But like, there's 52, right? So we're going to look at 52 weeks. We're actually going to start looking and reading through the book of Luke one chapter, listen, not a day, one chapter a week, a week during next year. And we're actually going to orchestrate it where we do a couple chapters together at first so that we end on Easter, the book of Luke this year. So we're actually reading about Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the week that is actually on our church calendar, Easter. So we're going to, between the beginning of the year and Easter, we're going to go through the book of Luke. Then we're going to do a little series in the middle. Then after that, we're going to read through the book of Acts, and it's going to end all the way right into our Christmas season next year. But we're going to look at these two books. Why? Because when I think of 2020, like, I just got to realize there's one month left of this decade. Like, you know, we're not moving from the 80s to 90s. We're moving from, like, the teens to the 20s. And so we are moving right now, and that's all there is. So what is 2020? When I think of 2020, I think of, like, going to the eye doctor, and I got to get my vision right. I need, like, 2020 vision, right? Like, I don't want to be, like, a little fraction off where things are blurry or a little sketchy. I want, like, clear vision. And what I, I was asking the Lord is, God, how do you give our church clear vision? And one of the best ways to give our church clear vision, to give us clear vision, is to understand how our story fits within the big story of God, to understand who Jesus is. And like I say, some of you, you've not read much of the Bible. And so to understand and look deeply through an entire book, the Gospel of Luke, who Jesus is. Parents, you're going to be able to do this with your children. You're going to read along with them. Some of you are like, I don't know, I don't like reading. That's okay. There are Bible applications that you can get on your phone. They'll read it to you. They can actually read the Bible actually to you. And we're talking about one chapter a week. And I know some of you in this room, you're like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do that. Like some of you in the room are like, Dave, I've already read the whole Bible. I'm not going to do it. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. We together this next year, you're going to read it again. It's okay to read again in the Bible. It's, it's actually allowed. You can actually do that. And some of you are like, you know, I'm really involved. I'm swamped because I'm doing like this, read you a know, precepts Bible study. And I'm doing this other Bible study. I'm doing this really intense Bible study. We're going deep in the languages. And I'm going, I'm in a Bible study. I can add a chapter a week to my reading. Can't you? You can too. So we're, next year, we're going to actually all together, as a church, we're going to be reading through the Bible. We're going to read through Luke, and we're going to read through Acts. And some of you in this room are like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do it. Well, yes, you are. You know why? Because the Bible says that I'm your pastor, and you have to do what I say. <laughs> and if you don't like that, then you could, you could go to another church and not do what that pastor says either. But I think that's a little bit living outside of God's will. What God wants us doing in this next year is reminding us that we really want to have a clear view of who Jesus is, what he came to do, and then the launch of the early church. It's going to be a beautiful expression for us this next year. Why? Because just as God, Jesus launched the church into the world without a location, he's calling us to do the same thing. Now, most people think that the Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. They think Paul wrote the most books. He obviously wrote the most of the New Testament. But when you take the book of Luke and you take the book of Acts and you combine them together, the sheer volume of those two books is actually greater than the 13 books that Paul wrote. Luke was the most prolific writer in the New Testament. 
And you guys say, well, who is Luke? Like, was he one of the disciples? Like, you know, was it, you know, you think you hear Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you think they're all disciples. Luke wasn't a disciple, not one of Jesus' 12. Luke, who was Luke? Luke was a Greek man. He was a doctor by profession. He was highly educated, and he was a companion of Paul, and he's investigating the detail, the claims, and the teaching of Jesus, going back into Israel and investigating and doing eyewitness interviews for those who saw what Jesus did and saw Jesus' resurrection themselves as eyewitnesses, he's going back and writing a detailed account. And actually at this time, most scholars think that he had a benefactor, and the benefactor was like, write an incredibly detailed account, because in the Greek world, we've begun to believe in Jesus, but we want to validate that all these things we've heard about are in fact real. And that benefactor's name was Theophilus. And so Luke goes on this journey to write the most detailed account of Jesus. Listen, I've translated Greek. And when you get into the Greek and you get into the Gospels, like there are certain books that's like easy. If John, one of the fishermen, you know, if he writes a Bible, uh, a passage in the Bible, it's pretty easy to dissect in Greek. Just easy. Cause why? Because he was educated as a fisherman. He gets enough that that's pretty easy. You go to Luke. Luke is the most intense thing to die, I mean, to be able to unpack and to translate because he wants such detail. He doesn't want any margin for error. He's saying, I want to make sure we get it and we get it right the first time. And so that's the kind of guy that Luke is. And he begins to tell the story of the detail of Jesus Christ and the launch of the early church. And so this is our New Year's resolution that we will be doing that together as church. You say, why? Well, anticipation precedes hope, right? If you and I are going to go to the gym, we anticipate the new body before, you know, the body that we have. We anticipate there could be something different in our body than the way our body looks right now. You anticipate it. Why? That builds hope for you to actually go to the gym, to actually work out. Well, Christmas didn't just begin with Jesus. Christmas actually began months before. And so right now in our Christmas series, The Thrill of Hope, we're going to talk and begin to unpack Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. So we're actually starting our New Year's resolution now, even though we'll be doing it all next year. We're going to start with Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 because that's where Luke describes the Christmas story, the coming of Christ. God become flesh, come in a humble way. But let's start and look at what Luke has to say in Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. It says this, many have undertaken to drop an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. See, this is what happens for you and I. If you go to Israel, it's one of the things that actually happens in your life. You go to Israel, and we'll be going in 2020, and in Israel, if you want to go and, and be able to get on that trip, what happens when you go to the land of Israel, whether it's now or later, is this, that you go there and you know for certainty the things that you've been taught. You see the land, you see the places, you go to the very places where Jesus was like born and you're going like in this area Jesus actually preached and you go there and you see maybe you grew up in a Christian home or you've learned about it along the way, you know for certainty that these things were in fact real. And the beautiful thing is you don't go and find Jesus there in Israel, you find Jesus right here where he finds you and when you invite him into your heart and he cleanses you from your sin, 
and you begin to become spiritually alive and you walk in new life with him, Jesus is available to you right here, but it's so good for us to go and to see. Why? Because you know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. What are the conditions that bring about hope? At the time when Luke starts to write this uh, chapter, he starts to write about some people, some characters. And these characters in the story of Christmas had waited for 400 years for a new word from God. There hadn't been a prophet in 400 years. There hadn't been a new word from God. There hadn't been an Old Testament book written in 400 years. So they're waiting. Someday there's a Messiah coming. Someday things will happen. But there's, there's something that makes them say it hasn't happened for 400 years. How is it ever going to happen now? And they lose hope. But in order to create the thrill of hope, you know, right, we have that line in that song, the thrill of hope. And in, how do we create the thrill of hope? Well, there's a lot of ways, but I want to tell you this, that for, what are the conditions that create the thrill of hope? For there to be the thrill, there must be defeat or despair or desire. That's got to happen. For there to be the thrill of hope, there's got to be the unexpected. For there to be the thrill of hope, there must be the self-hustle that is settling for a lesser story and kind of wearing you out but not getting you what you actually need, even though you're trying to get your needs met. For there to be the thrill of hope, there begins anticipation that asks, can this really be? Could it really be? Can this happen? You begin to question because you, you want to hope, but you're kind of afraid to hope. Can it really be? There is waiting there is a personal stretching and a renewal of your heart. And that's what God wants to do. It's in that place that God begins to grow within you and me and even the ancients. He begins to grow the thrill of hope. Now, many of you have a nativity scene in your house. You got a little like manger and you got a little barnyard scene. You got some animals and other things. Well, in our house, when our kids were growing up, we wanted to build anticipation. When we set up the manger scene, we didn't set it up with all the characters present. There would be a lot of characters missing because not everybody showed up at the barn. And so what we would do is we had these little, uh, these little like plush. Uh, this is, uh, by the way, Joseph, and this is Mary. And apparently they have halos. I guess they just came with them. But they, they uh, would start. They would not start in the nativity. They wouldn't start in the manger scene. In fact, they started in our house, especially when our kids were young, as far away as possible in the house from the manger scene, and every day, miraculously at night, they would move and get closer to the manger. And what it would do for our kids is it, it would build the, you know, they would know Christmas is still far off. Cause why? Because Mary and Joseph, they're still upstairs. You know, once they start moving down the stairs, it's getting real. Things are getting real and they start coming downstairs. You know, and they get closer and closer till all of a sudden then on Christmas Eve, they show up at the manger scene. What does it do? It builds anticipation. It builds the desire in our kids for the thrill of hope. And here's why you need this sermon. Real hope and tangible hope is through a growing relationship with Jesus. We try to put hope in a lot of other things, but it's in a relationship with Jesus. See, hope is not a belief. Hope is in a person. And he wants to come near to your heart. And some of you are here today, and you know your heart, your life, your behavior, everything is really far from God right now. And you're walking into Christmas. You're walking into this season. But you know on the inside that you are far away from God. And God's desire is to begin the thrill of hope where you say, can it really be? 
Can it really be that he would come toward me? Can it really be that he wants to renew my heart? Can it really be that he cares about my deepest desires? Can it really be that he doesn't look at me through the eyes of shame or guilt? Can it really be that God wants to restore all things? Can it really be? He wants to create the thrill of hope. Write this down. The goal of Sun Grove Church is that over the next year, our entire church will read the books of Luke and Acts together. Right? I've read it. I'm going to read it again. And it's really important that you understand that we're going to do this all together as a church. I love that picture that parents, you can read it with your children. Or you can read it with fresh eyes. You can read it in a great way. We can do it. We can keep track. We're going to start this morning. And I'm going to read just verses 5 through 25. And I want you to hear it as it was intended. Written from Luke, telling you the accounts of the true things that actually happened. Verse 5 says this. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. And both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. And once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So you get the picture. Zechariah's going in, everybody else is outside. goes on, it says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John, and he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born, and he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord and in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children and of the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Let me pause right there. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What do irresistible environments do? They make ready kids to hear about the Lord. What do, does an online church do? It makes people ready to hear about the goodness of God. John was sent not to be the Messiah. He's not. But John was sent to prepare people's hearts for the thrill of hope that the Messiah will come. John's the forerunner to Christ. He's actually the cousin of Christ. And so he's the forerunner. And so he's actually going to prepare people to the idea of repenting, prepare the people to the idea that after 400 silent years, God is about to work and act and do amazing things in our midst, things you thought might never happen. He begins to awaken the thrill of hope. The angel says to him, your prayers have been answered. Let me ask, how long had it been, do you think, in Zachariah's life since he had prayed for kids? He's an old man. How long do you think he had prayed? He might even have forgotten some of his prayers, but deep down inside his heart, it was his heart's desire, and God hadn't forgotten his prayers. 
it goes on and says this. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is <clears throat> well along in years. This is a well-trained man right here. I just want to let you know, right? <laughs> Call yourself old, but make sure she's just well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and will not be able to speak until the day all this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come at their appointed time. And meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they realized he had seen a vision, for he kept making signs to them, but he was unable to speak. And when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace from among the people. Write this down. God paves the way for the deepest longings of the human soul to be restored. You know as much as you desire things that are not of God, sometimes you desire sin, sometimes you desire selfishness, sometimes you desire other things. As much as you desire bad things, if you've been renewed in your heart, if you've come and accepted Christ, there is a part of your heart that is good. And there are desires that you desire that are actually greater than the desire for the things what you're trying to meet your own needs by. You actually desire things that this part of you having a renewed heart, a good heart. It's what someone who hasn't come to Christ doesn't have. They don't have a renewed heart. They are subject and bound to sin. We still have sin in the flesh, but we actually desire a greater good. And God paves a way for the deepest longings of the human soul to be restored. So it probably had been a long time since Zechariah had prayed for children. And yet God had not forgotten. And it was a longing deep in his heart. And I want to ask you a question. Is the person of Jesus Christ missing from the manger of your heart? And what I mean by that is this. Like, we don't have a manger. We don't put kids in manger these days. We put them in these. We put them in car seats, right? This is a modern-day manger. And so they, they go in a car seat, right? And sometimes what happens is this. We come to Christmas, and, and in Christmas we should be reaching for Jesus. We should know Jesus in a fresh way. We should reach for Jesus. But oftentimes we're going to try to put in the manger, instead of Jesus, we put substitutes in there. And I want you to know that God is the only way. He wants all things to grow in you, and he wants things to grow through you. He wants to restore that good part of your heart. He wants you to acknowledge and realize that there is a good part of my heart, and it does desires God greater than the things I desire that are bad. He wants to restore that, and he wants to bring you to his rest and to his love and not to his, the striving that we often put in the way. Well, what do you put in the manger that will still leave you empty? You see, a lot of people, they come to Christmas time, and they begin to think, you know, well, I'm just going to bring some different things, and I'll, I'll put them in there, and one of them could be a gift, you know, a gift like this, and it's actually a good gift. I can't tell you what it is, but call me right? So it's a great gift. And so when you take that, you put that in there and think, if I just get that gift that I wanted, then, then everything will be great if I could just get that one gift. And, and we think that. And then the other thing we think is, you know, some of you, you're kind of hip with pop culture and you've been thinking, you know what I would put in this? I would put this guy in this. Throw that picture up on the screen. There you go. You think, there you go. 
you think you want to put that guy in this, right? Only if you're hip with pop culture, you're like, why is Yoda so small? <laughs> you just haven't been keeping up, is all I'm saying. You haven't been keeping up. And there's lots of things that you and I would put in here. You know, there are certain times that you and I would do like this. We, we put the decorations. Christmas will be Christmas. If I just have more decorations or the right decorations, and let me tell you, like, if I could just do that, it gets people in what our culture calls the spirit of Christmas. Well, the spirit of Christmas doesn't mean anything. It means that people are looking forward to an event. They're looking for a holiday. They're looking for meaning in things that don't satisfy the soul. Sometimes people are like, you know, I'm just going to throw a drink in there. I'm just going to drink it away. I'm looking forward to the celebrations. I'm looking forward to the, the drink. And you might put alcohol or some other substance in there to say, it will really help me feel good if I don't feel good in other ways. Some of you are saying, you know what? You know what will really make me feel good? It will really make me feel good if everybody's present, if everybody's there. If I just have my picture frame and my picture perfect family, if everybody's able to be here and show up, and if they're not, and honestly, in a year like this and with a crowd like this, there are many who won't be here this year. And we grieve that and we remember that. But sometimes we hang our hopes on if only. God, if only they could be here. And you don't realize that part of God's love in our life is that he wants to restore all things. He wants to create reunions for those who've gone ahead of us in Christ. He wants for us. He, part of his desire is to restore all things. It's one of the beautiful things we have. In fact, I, I believe that we have an anemic view of heaven. I believe that some of you think that heaven is a forever sing fest. You go up there and you're just like, we're just singing. And that's great for a long time. And that's it. And I'm going, that's not the picture of heaven. The picture of heaven is that God restores all things. Your heart, my heart, our presence with him. Heaven comes to earth. The creation itself, Romans tells us, is groaning, awaiting to be renewed by God. And so creation itself, this earth, is going to be renewed. And heaven, Jerusalem, comes down to this earth. And it's on this earth. And let me tell you, some of you are like, I wish we could go back to the days when there was no pollution and no satellites and blah, blah, blah. And let me tell you, if you're an environmentalist, you love Jesus more than anybody else because he's the one who restores all things. Your flesh gets renewed. You go to heaven, we eat. I don't think we have to eat in heaven, but we do. There's something that's community about that. And God restores all things. But sometimes we think if I could just have the picture perfect thing, then I could put that in there and that'll make Christmas significant. By the way, this says Happy Mother's Day from Suncroft Church a couple, couple years ago. And some of you, it's just your heart. It's just your heart. You're looking for the deepest thing to be renewed. You're looking for that longings of your heart to be renewed. And I want you to know that God, God renews the deepest longings in your heart. No other thing that I've ever hung my hopes on has actually satisfied except for Jesus. No other thing. I mean, sometimes you hang your hopes on something, and sometimes it's like this. God, if I could just know why, if I could just know why, then it will be all good. And the truth is, you don't need to know why, you just need Jesus. And I want you to know that Jesus is inviting you not to put a bunch of things in the manger that would give you significance at Christmas, but what God is saying is, reach for me, take me out of the manger and get to know me in your life. Take me out of the manger and reach for me. I'm the only one who will restore the deepest longings of the human soul. And no other thing that I've ever tried to hang my hopes on is ever satisfied, even in the darkest hours. When I can only see the face of Jesus, man, there are times that you just want to know why, but you realize in the darkest hour in those moments, you don't need to know why. Why actually wouldn't satisfy. 
You just know you need Jesus. He knows why. And he's the one who actually restores all things. Write this down. Before you were born, God assigned your purpose in his story. You've got a part to play. God has given you a purpose. He's given you gifts to be used in his church, not to be retired from. And he's given you a role and a purpose for your life. That's why we say encounter God, that you come to know him, then you encounter him regularly as you spend time with God. You grow through community, that you're in a circle group, and then you live your calling. How do you live your calling? You understand how your story fits within the big story of God. Just like Zachariah was unexpectedly surprised by an angel who says, you've got a part to play in the story. And John's going to have a part to play in the story. And it's going to be a beautiful thing. In fact, in Luke 1.17, he said of John, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, listen, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What if John was born? And he said, you know what, that's great and all, but I'd rather just spectate. I don't want to baptize I don't want to be John the Baptist. I would rather just spectate. God, you do your thing, and I'll just kind of watch. Well, God's will for your life, by the way, is never to spectate. He wants more for you, more for your life. He's got a role that only you can play. So you've got, your role is to do what? Your role is to make a people ready, prepared for the Lord. Well, how do you do that? You become a neighbor to your neighbor. Don't just have neighbors. Become a neighbor to your neighbor. Love people deeply that you should love those around you. What would it look like for you to invite someone to our Christmas services every week between now and Christmas? See, you could just go and you could just, I could go and I could spectate or you could say, no, God, I want to be a part of what you do. And maybe you're calling me to prepare somebody else's hearts because God, you're already reaching that person's heart and I just come along. I can't make that person get saved, but God, you can and I can participate by inviting them. What are you doing? You're preparing a people and making them ready for the Lord. That's our role. That's part of our, our, the calling on our life. In fact, my best gift, again, makes a way that we are going to prepare the way for a people who are ready for the Lord. Write this down. When you want to know how this will happen, God wants you to know who will do it. Right? Fault Zachariah for being human, right? He just asked, how in the world is going to happen? Because I'm old and my wife, she's right there with me, right? Like we're old, like how is this going to happen? And so he does what we do. We come before God and we're going, like, how can I contribute in a way to my business? How can I invite people? How can I make a difference? And God's going to go, thank you for sending me your liabilities. I don't think you understand the power of God. And so he does something in Zechariah's life. The angel didn't punish Zechariah for having a very human question. What the angel did is he gave him a beautiful gift. He said, I'm actually going to give you power that you are going to be silent until these things are fulfilled. And so as long as you're silent, you know that this is still yet to come. It's going to build that thrill of hope in you. And the same power and the authority of God that refuses to let you speak, though you want to so bad, is going to be the same authority and power of God that takes an old person and gives them a child. That the power that can keep you silent is the power that will create a new birth in Elizabeth's womb and will bring forth this child that will bring delight to you and joy to your heart. So in his silence, 
Zechariah has a daily reminder that despite his impossible situation, God is working in the waiting. And what happens for him? He begins to have the thrill of hope in his life. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, just thinking about your own life for a moment, I want to ask, have you ever given your life to Christ? Have you ever said yes to Jesus to realize that Jesus is the one that wants to restore the deepest parts of your heart, but the main part he wants to restore first is to take care of your sin. And so he died on a cross, taking your sin upon himself and canceled out God's wrath against you because of your sin. And then he offers you eternal life. And he does that by saying, come into relationship with me. I won't force relationship with you. I won't make you be saved, but I will come to you and say, I have the power to renew your heart and to renew and restore all things. And so if you will take the step of giving yourself to me, I will begin to make you alive on the inside. If that's you today, pray this prayer. Just right where you're seated, you just pray it. God hears you even if it's in your head. You just say this, Jesus, today I give you me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, that you were buried and you rose to new life because you're God. And I ask you to wash me as white as snow. I ask you to help me understand that you came as a baby at Christmas because you love me enough to invite me into relationship with you. And so God, today, I don't know how it looks like or how it all works, but today, God, I give you me. And right now, with your heads bowed, if you pray that prayer, will you raise your hand anywhere around the room that today was that day? Awesome, greatest decision you could ever make. Awesome, right here in the middle, all the way over there in the back, anywhere else. If you're in the loft, my friends will see you up there. God, we want to thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, for drawing people to yourself. But I also want to pray for my brothers and sisters in this room that life makes our heart die a little bit along the way at a time. And sometimes we just let off the gas. And so, God, would you, would you do what only you can do? I'm going to ask for the people in our church, and myself included, that, God, you continue to awaken and restore our hearts. God, we stand against the lies of shame from the evil one who wants to condemn us and make us self-condemning. We stand against the lie of the evil one who wants to tell us we don't have gifts to bring. And God, all we have to bring is you, to you is ourselves. And so even right now, God, would you free the captives? Would you make us again awakened to follow you and to make a people ready, prepared for the Lord? In Jesus' name, and together we said, Amen. Will you give it up for what God is doing in and through? And I'm- Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.